podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Hey everybody, welcome to Star Trek The Next Conversation. I'm Matt. I'm Andy. I did that so fast that I wasn't even ready <laughs> so with everybody at the else. Level of speed. And I'm not daydreaming either. There you go. <laughs> ay ay ay. I was also shocked at the level. I was like, that's much quicker than I normally do it. It's happening. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of nice. Kind of uh, come out of he shot out of the cannon at the beginning of well, the show. That's the way it should be. I'm just so excited about emergence, you know? Every time It's the one you've been waiting for. Yeah, I just every time the Enterprise uh has some holodeck problems. I just, I just can't contain it. I can't contain my excitement. Do you think this is like their? Uh, it's like you know, you're bringing back Wesley with the Traveler, and you're bringing back you know Alexander from the future, and this is their way of going like, yeah, but what about the holodeck? Let's find out what happened to the holodeck. You know, I tie up think that, that loose end. I and I'm glad they did. You know, because I was worried about it. Yeah. After a fistful of data, I was like, oh, is this thing ever going to be the same? <laughs> Um, that said, I should probably tell people if they should watch the episode. That's a thing I do, and uh, I've I've already lost that page because I clicked very quickly over to the all the I am's. Here we go. Matt, would you have them watch this episode? Um, no. Um, all right, there you go. Am, I, am I wrong? Huh? What do you think, now that you've seen all but two episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation? Yeah, I would say you don't have to. Right? I, I Well, I mean, we're going to obviously get into it, but I, I feel like for a lot of the episode, it would have been like, oh, oh, what's up? Maybe this is... And then at the end, it was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, when when it flies away, it's like, well, it's like, your plot was meaningless. Bye. What if it What if it flies away and it starts to uh, have sex with the uh, with the thing from uh, from Encounter at Farpoint? Or what was the uh, What was the other one? Um, hmm. The one with the uh, the Betazoid that. Uh, oh, uh, the, uh, the 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 the, uh, the Tin uh, Man, red haired ju- Tin Man. Yes, Andy, Tin Man. Season three, episode something. Yeah, it starts to have sex with Tin Man. It flies off, and that's what this was all for. <laughs> uh, I think that it's probably a good idea. Oh, should we announce up top? Yeah, I think At, so. But, like, you know, it's the Admiral's Club and then the announcement, but might as well do it now before we step anywhere. Uh, so, Andy and I will be doing Encounter at Farpoint. Nope. That's a lie. All, All good, good things. things. <laughs> we did encounter Farpoint five know, years ago. We're going to do a live stream where we go through every single episode of TNG again. <laughs> I mean, at some point it's going to happen. I think that's I feel probably like true. Like, we have to like the you got to eat its own tail here. Yeah, but yeah, we're going to do All Good Things, the finale of TNG, which apparently uh, I said we're going to do on May the fourth, but I was going based on a on an episode count 
and a week. I wasn't looking at the calendar in all fairness. And Andy's not the best at counting. So this is all, you know, classic us. Uh, we don't have enough weeks to do TNG. Well, you have high hands up. Uh, I was wondering why it was so pleasant to uh, to listen to, and I realized I didn't plug you in. Oh, so you're just hearing me over your speaker? Yeah, is that going to screw you up? I mean, it'll be... It's form, It's fine. I can get the audio synced up. <laughs> you're okay. okay. Don't worry. I fixed it. Is this worse? I'm, I'm sorry. No, you just sound Now I'm in your head. Yeah. It was nice because it was like more like I was having a regular conversation with you, and it wasn't like <laughs> what it usually is, uh, which is just like, he is me. I am him. <laughs> so... Yeah, May the 4th, we can't, we're not going to do all good things on May the 4th. We are going to do it. We looked at the, I looked at the calendar, I was talking to Andy about it, and I was like, hey, you know, all good things aired May 23rd, 1994. What if we did May 23rd, 2022? Your classic 32-year anniversary. Yeah. I mean, that's... <laughs> It's, I mean, you all remember the 32nd that, anniversary that, of Star Trek. Is my math? No, my math is very broken. That's not correct. Twen, hang on. 34? 22. It's 30. No, 6. Wait, it's what, 30, what was 28, the year? 28 years. 28 years. It's 28 years. It's the, it's the 28th correction. anniversary. Again, we're not great at math. No. We're not great uh, at most things, I'm realizing. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, and other people yeah. in the uh, Patreon had uh, had sort of come up with it independently. At first, I was like, huh, I'm not sure. And then other people said it, too. But uh, it sounded like a good <laughs> idea to me. But only once it was confirmed by multiple sources did Andy get on the horse. So it makes him an you ace reporter. Gonna, an know. ace reporter. He checks his sources. You know that's not true. Because I had an instantly <laughs> good reaction on text. I said, that's you why you're a professional podcaster. You did. But then you also, uh, you know, you, just, you put your ear to the ground. Like Look, good, I'm like reading good every hail that comes into the president's circle. I phrased that's your it wrong. ear to the ground. I'm not looking for the answer. Sometimes I am. Sometimes I want a poll that drives I mean, look, me mad and action, action finds you, Andy. You don't have to look for it. <laughs> action Secunda. <laughs> um, it's everybody's but, yeah. favorite Carl Weathers film. Since we already said we were going to do that stream on the, May the 4th, which we're now going to do on May the 23rd, we decided that uh, we will do a stream on May the 4th inside of the, the Patreon. Uh, but that'll be a live you know, Q&A. We'll sort of state of the podcast address, if you will. We'll uh, prepare remarks, and no, then no, uh, we <laughs> we'll get based on applause. We'll see how successful our policies are, and uh, <laughs> it'll be great. So that'll be May the fourth at seven p.m. Pacific Standard Time, and then uh, the All good live stream of and of. All good things will be May twenty third, the TNC TNG finale, and then it'll be a TNC DS nine pilot. Uh, and some of you have asked, and yes, it will uh, remain uh, up at least for the short term future on our Patreon. 
Oh, the video, yeah. And then everybody else listening here, if you want to, you know, snail mail it and get it the old-fashioned way, well, the audio will go out on the regular podcast feed a little bit later. So, there you go. That's your. St- that's what's happening here. And, uh, and we will be beginning on uh, Strange New Worlds uh, as soon as we're done with Picard on a weekly basis. I don't know why you're thinking about Strange New Worlds when you are going to meet Benjamin Sisko. You know, it's not. Uh, I'm not. Uh, I'm not rating them as you know one more important. I'm just saying these are all the things that are available. Feels like you're ignoring the importance of Deep Space Nine. To be clear, DS Nine will be free. And yeah, yeah, and uh, and Strange New Worlds will be inside the Patreon. Yeah, but you can get it out with some money. <laughs> that, that's your, like a vending machine. That's your it's secret a, key. It is like a, a vending, vending machine. machine. <laughs> Just like you know, slip a five in, and out pops eight episodes of podcast every month. In fairness, we're like we're like apples in a vending machine, and and sometimes it's going to be like, ooh, that's a good apple, and sometimes it's like, Ugh, that apple's been in there too long. <laughs> I think I've I don't think I've ever gotten an apple out of a vending machine. But. I haven't either. I don't know. I don't know why I use that example, but it ha- they do have them. Yeah, I see them in like uh, hospital cafeterias. Yeah, I guess that's more what it is. You know, with the spinny thing, you know, with the triangle sandwiches and then sure. apple and then like a slice of cake. I've gotten the slice of cake. And really? Oh, but yeah. those are like kind of Not like entomensy kind of things, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Henry went real hard with the cake yesterday and oh. I was like saying to Tori, he's going he's gonna to puke. When was his and first then, cake? And then he did. He did. Oh, there you go. He's chip off the old block. When was running he around like a like a crazy three year old? Uh, when was his first cake? His first cake was on his first birthday. And did he seem to really be like? Did he give it yes. its, its appropriate weight of like Jesus Christ? What is this? Yeah, no, he was uh, he was really into it. And also, I will say this: he uh, he. I'll show Andy this picture. This was this was him. Hang on, can you? Yeah, there you go. Notice cake, yeah. child, right? And like he has the entire cake in front of him. This kid's smart. <laughs> what kind of cake is that? Seems like that's a golden cake with some kind of sky design uh, on it. It's a clock. Oh, because Andy, I have to tell you, my kid is a little bit like Rain Man. He's obsessed with numbers and clocks. He loves clocks. His favorite time of day is seven twenty-two in the morning. Ah, and. Uh, Maybe he's going to be a Doctor Who. He can tell analog time without even without numbers on it. And he's and he's three. He's a little obsessive. What really? Yeah. What a weird specific. Yeah. He might be a Time Lord. He's like, what? What? What do you does watch say? And then he goes and stares at it. And then he tells me what time it is. And like, I was sure he was getting the numbers off the bezel, but the other day I had had the bezel turned a little bit. Like, yeah. And he got the time by the actual fake marks. They're just dots. Wow. <laughs> what a weird thing. That's that was really impressed. interesting. Do you think he's going to be a prompt person because of that? I think he'll be uh, hopefully uh, good at like sports betting or something. Just the specific mind. Just get the numbers, you know? Yeah. He already like, when you sit down and when I'm watching like golf or something, he's already, he asks a lot of questions like, Every time someone hits a golf ball, how far they hit it, and I tell them, and then wow. it's like maybe maybe hit it one hundred twenty. 
Well, just uh, just make sure you teach him, uh, you know, moderation and uh, and to conserve your winnings when you well, get them. He did not understand moderation regarding cake. No, but you know, like anybody who's having a good birthday, he puked uh-huh. and then rejoined the party. Wow, He's back oh, wow. in it. Yeah, yeah. It's like that. A lot of a lot of alcoholics do that. Yeah, yeah. He was he was there. He wanted to. He did. He did. Like a, he did try to get some more cupcake. Like, yeah. There were also cupcakes and. Wow. Anyway, whatever. Yeah, that's I respect, I respect this kid. That's what happened in my yesterday. Sorry to head on a weird tangent. No, I, I think I assume everyone's delighted to hear about Henry. Admirals Club. Admirals Club. Go to iTunes, leave a five-star review, and join the Admirals Club. Matt, how do they get into the Admirals Club? Uh, head over to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review of this very show, and uh, you'll be in the Admirals Club. And if you're if you're very lucky, Andy might even read your review on the air. I've kind of uh, been thinking maybe we should, even though I love the Admirals Club theme and it's very familiar, I feel like, it, first of all, it says uh, uh, iTunes, which isn't accurate anymore. And I mean, even though it is Apple Podcasts. And secondly, I've said to you many times now, uh, I feel like we should be widening it out to just people spreading the word in any way if you want to email it in. Like a, I don't like other platforms. <laughs> You're a real Apple booster, even though we've got nothing from them directly. I don't. I don't even use Apple Podcasts. I think it's a terrible app. Oh, well, there you go. That's right. He pointed me toward another one. Downcast. So if you uh, Downcast, if anyone from Downcast is listening, <laughs> I don't you want think us to be you your can sponsor. Review anything on there? No, I don't think you can. Yeah. But whatever you 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 write us a a nice tweet. You write us a a nice uh, thing in a in some. Facebook group other than our face group so you're uh, saying if you just all in. you have to do is tell somebody you like the show and they're in the Admirals Club on a public forum yeah I know but like that but you know what no not like public. very loosey goosey if, if you have someone if you if you are a diehard convincing someone how good the show podcast is and you record it you can send that in <laughs> that that then makes it public so I think it's back to your original <laughs> yeah so okay, look. I mean, you seem you seem uh, dubious. I just feel like we should have some standards here in this Admirals Club. What's the What's the standard? I feel like if we we got to move this down to Cargo Bay Five, it's going to be so <laughs> full of people. Oh, that's where all the all the fun alien creatures that need their. Actually, I think that was Cargo Bay Four, Andy. Oh wow. I have no idea. Actually. It's very. It was very disconcerting. We're going to talk about it. It was very disconcerting to see. Oh, that's where the cargo bay is on the ship, and when the thing flew out, <laughs> it was like right, right at the bottom of the neck of uh, the D. Do you know what I'm talking about? The yeah, yeah. But like, weird. I know, I know where the cargo bays are, man. Of course you do. Come on, I got that ship memorized. Okay, this is our first one. My friend calls me Fat Pal now. Thanks, I guess. Uh, from Sam Fat Pal Child. Uh, some of you may remember that Matt mistook something I was calling him for Fat Pal. Um, and uh, this is uh, Sam Fat Pal Child says, Fun new nickname aside, hands down the best Star Trek podcast. Matt and Andy's riffs, tangents, writer's insights, and overall tomfoolery never fail to make me laugh. Side note, been listening since day one. 
But after having an iPhone for a year, I only just now realized I can get into the Admirals Club. So that's cool. <laughs> well, oh, I Sam see. Fat you Pell see child. that he he waits and waits and waits. He finally has access to get into the Admirals Club. Yeah. And he does. Yeah. And he's excited about it. And you're immediately like, we should open this up to everybody. Well, I mean, he got in the official way. and I mean, uh, you're, you're changing the rules. All right. Do you want to have a Whatever. different? Should we open Look, a different lounge? No. <laughs> Go to any platform to get into the cargo bay four. Look, I'm just here to. I'm here to say that if uh, this is, if this is a classic, I come up with a thing that to me is clearly will help the podcast if people are just putting out the words, oh, sending whatever, uh, I'll, I'll and that real. is immediately nixing it. It's I'll just, get real with everybody here. Uh, our numbers have been the same for. Five fucking years. Nothing's gonna boost it. We're That's good because we've never done anything beyond what we we're do. Good. We're good. We have you guys listening, and that's enough for us. But <laughs> if you want to listen more, join the Patreon. That could always use some more people. <laughs> we have a lot of mixed messages going out here. Good pod. Nice host from Mister Man. Andy's theories are very interesting because he's very really smart. Thank you, Mister Man. Man with two ends. Maybe it's Michael Mann. Um, the, the director? It possibly. Is he still no. in jail? I think you're thinking of John McTiernan. I am thinking of John McTiernan. Good pull. <laughs> Good pull. <laughs> Don't besmirch the name of Michael Mann. Even though I'm not thinking John of McTiernan Heat's McTiernan Michael too. Mann. <laughs> it seems like it would have been more appropriate because he does a lot more crime films. I, by the but, way, uh, thanks for get, thanks for getting there. Like, <laughs> thanks for seeing it and like recognizing the his, signs. His movie directors are are my cargo pay for. So, <laughs> um, that's it for the Admirals Club. Great. Let's head to the President Circle where everybody is welcome. All you got to do is join. Put some of that money in the vending machine. The United Federation of Planets President Circle. I don't know if the uh, apples uh, or cakes inside that vending machine are uh, any more dependable, but you get a lot more for your dollar. <laughs> Uh, I mean, think how long can you enjoy one apple, really? I mean, you know, I would say the last, ten like, minutes tops. Yeah, and then, you know, you, and even if you like forget about it, you come back to it. It's oxidized. You, you don't want to eat that. No, throw it right in the trash. Yeah, these stay the same level of quality no matter when you come back to them. That's right. And <laughs> hours of hours of hours of quality. We got Enterprise. We're doing an Enterprise. We're doing a Disco. We're covering Picards. We're soon going to be doing Strange New Worlds on a weekly basis. And then at the President's Circle level, you get two Voyagers. And the, forget the live Q&A. And you get a live Q&A. So are we going to be doing that monthly, or you're not determined yet? Well, I mean, it depends on how, who shows up to this first one. All right, we'll see how that goes. It's really so up to them. We're going to be doing a live Q&A. For May, we're doing a live Q&A on May the 4th. <laughs> it's like... If they did, if they were like, "This is terrible," please don't do it. We would listen. 
That's true. To our president circle and go, you're right. Okay, fine. Sure. But if they're like, we like this, then we'll do more. It would be hilarious if that was the only thing they said in the little chat windows. <laughs> Please stop. <laughs> um, and, uh, and then we're doing all good things. The finale. Live yes. streaming it on May the 23rd at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Our apologies to those in England. Um, only England, if you're in Northern England. Ireland or everywhere else has or... the same time zone as we do. <laughs> uh, every month, uh, not every month, every episode, uh, we uh, pick through a few uh, of standout hails to us. Let's and, be real. Andy does the legwork. He's yeah. the one. This is his brainchild. He's in there, elbow deep in these comments. Sometimes he pulls up a pearl, and he shows it to me. And if you are one of those pearls, you get yourself a Crystal Pike Medal of Valor. Any pearls in there? There's one from Sean Baham, uh, who writes us, I've slowly caught up with everything. Over the past 2.5 years, I've trekked through all of the TNG, Enterprise, Voyager, Disco, and Picard, wow. the most important Star Trek of all. Uh, oh, and the most important Star Trek of all, the Marvel movies, <laughs> uh, that have been reviewed and dissected by these two wonderful hosts. I haven't even watched most of Picard and Discovery because of how much I dislike them, but I sure as hell have <laughs> listened to Matt and Andy break them down. Uh, I've never commented or been a part of the discussions on Patreon, and although I'm a part of the Facebook face group, I rarely ever participate, but now that I've ran out of content, I feel lost and alone. Thank you guys so much for not giving up on this podcast back when y'all were having busy having children, doing other, at the time, more popular podcasts, and bi- with busy work schedules. I don't, it's, it's, it, yours would have been the more popular podcast, but I don't think you were ever doing your more popular podcast while you were doing this one, were you? Uh, James Bonding was going while this was going. That's true. That's a much more popular podcast. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Um, it really seemed like a chore to put them out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it really hits Matt where he lives. Uh, I'm glad you've built up a fan base and are now helping to support yourselves with this passion project after everything that's happened with your TV shows after the pandemic. Although I do uh, really, I do feel really bad your shows got canceled. I never watched them, but I'm sure they were wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> they, well, were fine, to... they were fine, Sean. They were fine. Andy's show got canceled. I got canceled. Oh, that's true. Yes. <laughs> me, I would have. Uh, they would have kept me on schooled forever. I was an integral piece of that chaotic it's, situation. It's so funny to me because, like, when I see Abbott Elementary on television, yeah, which I believe is also ABC. Oh, really? I haven't yeah, I'm like, oh, that's what they were trying to get schooled to be. It's always interesting when you see a show a couple years after a, a, a show that's been canceled. And you're like, oh, it's the same thing. Um, just with slight adjustments or a different cast. Oh, is no. It, it's, do you that, think it's effective? That is a, it's a workplace comedy. Oh, I see. No, yeah. that's what we... Oh, that's that's that, what you wanted to be. I that's know. That's infuriating know. because that's what we wanted it to be, and they kept pushing it in the other direction. I know. Oh, man. That's TV for you guys. <laughs> TV. TV. The cause of and solution to all life's problems. Certainly ours. Uh, that's it for that. So open up the Priority One messages, please. You got it. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on Secured Channel. Okay. 
We didn't hear Worf there, but that's because I flipped the order of the buttons. Uh, technically, that's the only one we need. Uh, I always I try know. to tell you that. I know. You just, that's your I own know. dealer's choice that you're at. I like Worf to announce that it's coming, so we're not surprised. But you say priority one messages. Well, you need another announcement. I feel like Worf uh, doesn't have a lot to do this week. Um, Lieutenant Neil Studd, in regards to All Good Things, says the All Good Things live stream is going uh, to be about 2 a.m. till probably 5 a.m. And then he edited it and wrote 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. Um, it's interesting you put the edit, but he didn't change the original numbers. Uh, and I'm all on board for it. Although it'll, uh, it'll be the first time that I've ever booked a vacation day due to a podcast. <laughs> Thank you for your commitment, Neil. God, I uh, hope he hasn't already booked May the 4th. Well, then he better be at the Q&A. That's all I have to say. And uh, Carl, uh, quote, good eyesight more. Is <laughs> he's the one with good eyesight. Um, see, Matt looking for it. <laughs> yeah, I can't find it. My eyesight's bad. Uh, says, yeah, a bit disappointed. I'm not going to be able to watch it live and take part, uh, as also in the UK. But if I join the President's Circle, I'll be back to watch uh, the live video stream and you are welcome to Carl Moore I keep seeing people signing up to watch the test stream that we did yeah like I get all the notifications in my email and it's like hilarious to me that people are like I better sign up and watch this bullshit you, I get questions every once in a while I shouldn't ask you this on air th- about the discord and I think people have started to talk to each other in the discord does that make yeah. sense yeah absolutely so do you know how to get on the Discord? Because I'm an idiot. I'm a well, yeah. well-established idiot. I mean, I could open it up right now and tell them I'm recording and see what they have to say about it. Sure. I've got to download an update because I haven't opened it in so long. But I mean, what do I tell people who are in the Patreon about how to get on the Discord? They know. No, they don't. They're asking me. Oh, well, you sign up for Discord and then you attach your Patreon to the Discord. There's account. a button for that? That's a, it's all I assume. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people have figured it out. Oh, well, don't you know? Don't you know to talk down to them? No, no, I'm saying a lot of people have figured it out. I don't. I don't know how it's actually done. Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> I'll have to figure out a fact and put it up there somehow. Um, Cosmo Moore, also another Moore says T Earl Grey kind of warm says Jordy's uh, mom, Beverly's grandma, Troy's sister, Data's mom, Worf's brother, Worf's son, now Picard's son. Late season TNG giving us all the uninteresting family members we never wanted. Boo. <laughs> Not a fan of it. Michael Bazaruski, net related art discussion curator and your friend. We're your friend too, Mike. Says plot twist. They are all the same people, same person from different timelines. <laughs> this is about all the relatives. <laughs> That's funny. Justine Adamak says, Finally, I can mention what I have been spending seven seasons biting my tongue about. Picard is not a virgin. That Andy's theory is wrong. But here's the thing, Justine. She's talking about bloodlines. That's not his son. So he didn't have sex with that lady? Well, he thinks he did. He thinks he did. It does he he doesn't know what it is. He doesn't know what it is. I don't even know if he he thinks thinks he did. He thinks he did. He sort he of is, he did because he's, he's like, there's a possibility of the father. He's, he's like, yeah. to be to be the father, you have to be alone in a room with a woman for more than one hour. Isn't that correct, number one? <laughs> he's told by Beverly that he's the father. That's the way he knows he's the father. 
Um, so I feel like that Andy's theory is holding holding true, Justine. Um, Eric Peebles writes, if this were Picard, uh, JL would have pointed out Kirk also had a secret son. <laughs> That's fantastic. You know what, that one? I'm giving you a retroactive uh, uh, Pike, Pike medal on that one, Eric. Um, Tess writes, someone needs to tell Matt to never cut out Andy's vamping. I think he's he always well, leaves it to I me. I haven't. I left it in. Yeah. When Matt steps out, it's like a brief moment when we get to, this. This is a dangerous road. I shouldn't have read this one because now Matt's just going to leave for like ten minutes and <laughs> smoke a cigarette and hang out. And uh, when Matt steps out, it's like a brief moment when we get to be a seat filler as Andy's buddy. Um, <laughs> Uh, Tess also says, you know, for someone who has only watched this series once, has face blindness, and often can't remember what was said during the last podcast, Andy has pretty solid recall of a lot of details from certain episodes from bygone seasons. Tin Man, you pulled it today. I did. He remembered Jono from Suddenly Human and Durgo from Final Mission. Uh, maybe without their names or episode titles, but it was clear uh, what he was referring to. That's sort of impressive. And lastly, Tess says, uh, I have a hard time believing that the name Jason survived to the 24th century. (laughs) (laughs) Some shade to the Jasons. Well, I mean, we don't don't know what future Jasons are revered. That's true. So you're saying it could have been reset at a certain point. It was was brought back like a biblical name and then... Yeah, yeah, yeah. um, To honor the ancient Jasons. Maybe Jason Alexander uh, becomes some sort of god. Sure. Was he in Trek? Feels like he'd be a Frankie at some point. <laughs> racist. That's racist. <laughs> Is it? Against who? <laughs> uh, he does feel like someone who would have been in Trek at some point. He was in Trek. He was in the fifth season of Voyager, but not as a Frankie. Oh, there you go. Oh, wait. Uh, no, yeah. Um, there you go. Uh, okay. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, John Horner writes. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I found funny about this episode was the fact that Bach mentioned jason's name and within a minute picard was able to recall his former girlfriend 23 years ago by name makes you wonder if it was the only woman he has slept with to be able to recall her name so fast recurring considering the traumas yet he has had to go through the seven seasons assimilated inner light cardassian torture uh etc um again I mean, he thinks he slept with he her, thinks he slept not, with her he did he's not, not sure her. what yeah. first base is let alone second third and home I've seen no proof as of yet. At the beginning of that episode, I was like, all right, this Andy's theory is about to go out the window. But by the end, I was like, nope, (laughs) stands true. Your old friend, Matt, Tom Bondurant. Mm, Hey, Tommy. (laughs) This episode really underscores what a bad Ferengi Bach turned out to be. When Picard told him, quote, you can't put a value on life, unquote, Bach should have whipped out a pad with some uh, actuarial <laughs> yeah. figures showing that, in fact, Jason's Dan Cortez T 
Cortez? Cortez? It's been Dan, so long. Dan, is Dan Cortez-esque, because that gentleman is Dan Cortez-esque. Is I, Jan- under- I don't think that's fully, fair to Jason. I fully understand that, right? He definitely is like handsome and has great hair, but uh, lifestyle was worth just as much latinum as a Frankie da- Diamond. Cut Damon. down in his prime. Really, the whole episode should have should have revolved around forensic accounting. It really should have. That should be a whole Frankie thing. Klingons take revenge. Ferengi just want to be compensated. I, I totally mean, you'll see you'll see plenty of Ferengi accounting coming up in D Space Nine. I guess you know. Here's a perfect thing of like, because um, we're always bitching in our in various Trek forms about just put in a line about that. They brought back Bach. Bach. This has already been established about him. Was that he's a he's a a terrible Ferengi by Ferengi standards. They would hate him. Mm-hmm. He's broken every one of their rules because he went for vengeance without profit. And then they establish, yeah, he's been drummed out. He's just tricking these people. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's the kind of thing we're always looking for. And they did it in that episode. Um, Jeff Mullins, Lieutenant Commander Jeff Mullins, says, Is Picard the best father or father figure we've seen as a parent or offspring of an Enterprise crew member? Riker's father was a bit of a dick. Worf isn't sure what to do with Alexander. And Noonien Sung was a bit of an oddball. Shoot, we just saw Data abandon Spot right before she gave birth. This is the second time we've seen Picard as a father, including In Our Light, where he raised two seemingly normal children and was even a playful and good-spirited grandfather. Hmm. Great and Terrible Lizak adds, Riker's approach to being a dad seemed to uh, involve a lot of homemade pizza, and I think that puts him pretty high on the list. <laughs> also fair the pizza could have been could have you know the pizza just I feel like the pizza was there regardless whether or not there was a kid around he would have been spending oh, his days making you're, pizza you're accusing him of being I don't know if that's true because the only time we've seen him cook is for guests so I think uh, he connects food to empathy by the way we must have talked about it on first season of Picard he screws up the eggs and or the eggs are just bad. The classic debate. And then oh he also screws up the pizza, right? No, he burned a tomato. That's it. He just burned a tomato. A single tomato? The pizza was good. All right. <laughs> Fair. It doesn't It doesn't speak well for him as a chef, though. I mean, look, some, you can't control a pizza oven sometimes. Riker strikes me as the kind of chef who would be very charming and, you know, he's fun to hang around with. But, uh, you know, he's not... Uh, He's he's uh, he's more going to be thinking about socializing and the fun of the night than he is about the precise um, pre- precision of the of the cooking. Whereas I I once uh, influenced someone to break up with me because uh, when I was making her a pizza, I said no no get away from the kitchen I'm, I have to focus on this. Wow. And uh, she correctly uh, said that's not fun, <laughs> um, which is fair. Uh, but you know what? I made her a fucking kick-ass pizza. So everybody's got their priorities. Kobayashi Maru says, it kind of took me out of the episode that Jason looked far from 23. Ken Olint was born in 1958, which put the actor at a spry, near childlike age of 36 when the episode was released. I mean, were the producers dry, running dry on handsome male actors in their 20s? Was there some inside baseball reason the show opted for a much older actor? These are all valid questions. I'm certain that there must be some idea that was in somebody's head that this would be like a spinoff of Kirk's, uh, sorry, <laughs> Peter Kirk's Picard's son. 
I don't know why that's they would make him so old, though. Such a wild thing to like. That's <laughs> such a wild thought. Like you're so like they're like DS9's humming along. Yeah. Two seasons in. Yeah. They're already working on Voyager. Yeah. But you think they also were like, we also need to bring in Picard's kid and maybe do an adventure series. <laughs> Like Briscoe County Jr., but with a guy that climbs. Uh, does nothing in the modern Trek landscape indicate to you that they would keep going back to the well? Well, that's the modern Trek landscape, which is very different from the they, old Trek landscape. Yeah, but they had TNG Voyager and DS9 running. Yeah, but they were all Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> serving as sour grapes for the day no what i'm saying is like you know following a kid that's not in the federation and is only tangentially related to starfleet and that his father oh, maybe he's a rogue in, in the star trek universe or maybe he joins starfleet i mean that's really frankly i would prefer to see him be a rogue and then probably what they would do is they would have him join starfleet and just create another you know, what sort if he of just voyagerish show teamed up with the outrageous Okana? Yeah, I guess I wouldn't want to see him be a rogue. Now that you rephrase it that way, <laughs> Grand yeah, Admiral, your favorite, your favorite character, Grand when the Admiral. Rocketeer showed up trying to be Han Solo. <laughs> Grand, hey, hey, Bo, Grand Admiral Matawin writes. Uh, it's going to be a STTNC live show to kick off the Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness weekend. I better stock up on the popcorn. <laughs> I think he may be interpreting. Oh, shit. That is happening very soon after that, huh? I mean, we really should. I mean, I don't know. There's no world where we can pull this off. But we really should do, be doing the same thing we're doing with the Picards and like make room for doing a Marvel when the Marvel comes out. Well, we had always waited till the was till it was available, yeah, on home release. I guess that's true. So we can do the. So really, we could do. Otherwise, we won't be able to listen to the endless effects. Black <laughs> Black Widow, The Eternals, and Spider Man. We're only three behind. Oh, there you go. Maybe we'll have Marvel Month. Uh, Marvel Week on TNC. <laughs> Ten forward, Gamma Shift manage. Ten forward, Gamma. Shift Shift Manager says, hey guys, a little off topic, but how do you think TNG would have been if Tasha Yar would have stayed on? What would Worf be doing? This might have been answered before, and if and I'm sorry if so. Trying not to post comments while drunk. Love you. Thanks for the continued dedication. Um, that was an interesting question. I was thinking, I think one thing is I think it would have been a sexier show where more was be more sort of relationship based. You get your your occasional, you know, your Worf and Deanna, your Deanna and uh, Riker, and your Picard and Beverly, but they're sort of few and far between. And I feel like Tasha, they establish early on is like she hooks up with Data. Like you would want to see that play out in some way. She just seemed like someone who was sort of more like a free spirit. Well, she was damaged because, you know, she came from that planet where I you constantly know. had to escape the rape gangs. But is that what you think leads to... Like, I didn't feel like that was what was at play when she hooks up with, with Data. I feel like that was her 
having her own independence and making her own. No, that was the virus they came across. Oh, that is true. There was a virus at play. <laughs> Forgot about that. <laughs> but isn't that? Are you saying that that like that uh, that revealed the damage as opposed to that revealed a freer side of her? No, I'm saying that if the character was around, I'm I'm sure we'd have to explore that more. And 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 it's it's so dark. I just was I just. I'm glad we don't have to explore it anymore. I think definitely war like these dystopian Federation planets that don't make any sense that they exist in the Federation. Like it's very strange to me. But this is a good question in terms of Prime Directive. If you've got a fucking planet with rape gangs that the that the people aren't doing anything about, is the Federation really going to just fucking sit there? I don't know. You tell me. Write the fan fiction. I mean, this I'll is where. It. This is where it comes in of just like letting planets be destroyed, and it's always sort of simpler because it's like that's the natural progression of these this planet. But if it's like people being tortured and abused and oppressed and all that crap, I don't know. It just doesn't seem right. Um, I mean, how could you how could you sit by as a major world power and just let uh, you know? Uh, these this other world uh, be uh, oppressed and attacked and fired upon it's uh, well i mean dilithium just gets really expensive that's all that changes right um royale writes so really patrick that's the first season storyline you think we should revisit as a wrap-up uh i mean we did have those brain worms that almost took over starfleet and just hanging out in space um well yes but the ferengi still seemed very upset that Frankie still seemed very upset. I'm sorry, I blew your joke, Royal. Um, and a v- totally valid point. Uh, Andy, the astrophysicist, our old friend, says, uh, here's a quote from Picard. Um, I'm your father. I don't know what that means, but it means something. There's some connection. And then he supports what we were saying. More proof of Andy's theory that Picard doesn't know how babies are made. <laughs> Alex Jahans writes, that thing that always gets me the thing that always gets me is that what Matt points out about this episode applies to all of the family reunion episodes Picard meets his son but not really Worf meets his son but not really because he's from the future Data meets his mother but not really because she's an android duplicate Jordy meets his mother but not really because she's an illusion created by aliens Troy meets his her sister but not really because she's a memory in her mother's mind and Beverly meets her grandmother but not really because she's puppeted by by their plasma ghost boyfriend (laughs) (laughs) they're all really good points that's accurate really I think the only family member we get to meet is Worf's adoptive family that's right and Riker's dad Microstat. In the Ambo Jitsu circle, you know? I mean, I guess uh, Tiana's mother, obviously. Oh, Luoxana. That's it for the Priority One messages. Let's step out into the corridor for the hails. Captain, Captain, we are being hailed. Opening up the hail bag. Uh, what are people saying? Were, were the mail bag was it was it stuffed with people needing to discuss such a great episode as Picard's not son it was medium <laughs> um there is a sorry I forgot to tell you there is a a couple of uh, voice hails uh you want me to read another one while you 
fish it out. This one is titled, uh, how did I write it? Bloodlines, Picard mashup. Um, and this says, hey, Matt and Andy, here's a little change to the first episode of Star Trek Picard season two with a little surprise ending. Regards, Tobias Hughes-Brown. Sorry to drop in on you like this, Jean-Luc, but it's a sensitive matter. What is it, Charlie? Please, <laughs> make yourself comfortable. It's really jarring. We've encountered something unique in space. We'd like to get your eyes on it in person. With all due respect, Admiral, there must be dozens of better qualified people than myself. Its event horizon caused a massive spike in Adlerlaski temporal radiation. And then it began, well, to broadcast. This is how it begins. I trust you remember me, Picard. Because <laughs> I haven't forgotten you or how you murdered my son. For 15 years now, I've thought about how to avenge his death. <laughs> But nothing I could do to you could equal what you did to me until now. <laughs> I love it. Nicely done. Uh, Andre Kane writes, Journey's End, Race in the 24th Century. Hey, Andy. Uh, in the hails from your last podcast, a listener questioned why the Native American tribe, uh, I believe the teleplay implies they are Pueblos, would still harbor the scars of the past. Why in a united society would ethnic distinction still exist? And why said tribe would be so attached to a planet after 20 years? In regards to the last question, Ron Moore covered the last bit in dialogue. Oh, hang on, sorry. Adler Lasky radiation. I was like, why is that? What is that? What is that reference to? It's a reference to something. Temporal radiation. What the Admiral said in that clip of Picard. Oh, I see. They're two characters in 12 Monkeys. Way to go, Terry. Way to keep putting your 12 Monkeys stuff into Picard. <laughs> um, in regard to the last question, Ron Moore covered the last bit of dialogue. The displaced Pueblo tribe wandered the galaxy for two centuries in search of a home that could fulfill the spiritual connection that they had stolen uh they had with their stolen ancestral lands. They were unwilling to continue another exodus due to geopolitics. With the former questions, I would say Trek has always been about remembering and learning from the past, not forgetting it because it's inconvenient for another group. Often I hear white Americans say, quote, it happened years ago, get over it, uh, unquote, to black and brown members of our society. Uh, I think that's fair. I think that is a a, a subtext. Um, No, I'm saying like that's a harsh statement, get over it. The statement of get over it is a harsh. Oh, for sure. It's it's insane. I'm not saying it's harsh to say that white people say that because, quite frankly, I've heard that. Um, to black and brown members of our society about the horrors inflicted upon them, to underline it appropriately. Historians have pegged the genocide of native tribes by white Americans in the range of 50 to 100 million lives. So complete was this genocide, the Canadian government, along with the Catholic Church, used it as a model to kidnap, enslave, 
force into labor and murder hundreds of First Nation children well into the 21st century in residential school programs with a mass grave of four dozen children recently uncovered. Indigenous Americans now make less than 1% of the population. Even in a pristine future utopia, the legacy of centuries of oppression and destruction would have far-reaching implications for such a small culture to endure. Finally, I believe Star Trek has always been at its best when it embraced our differences. When TNG and DS9 were casting LaForge and Cisco, the call sheets requested the agents send black males who were, uh, quote, non-street types. Uh, Avery Books was ordered to grow his hair and shave his goatee and dial down his performance. Colmini, Colmini was so incensed, he accused Paramount of trying to make Cisco into a, quote, Uncle Time. His words, not mine. There's a complete difference in the power and charisma of Brooks's performance when he, he allowed uh, he was allowed to bring his experience as a black man into his portrayal with Iris Stephen Bear and company acknowledging his heritage and not running from it. In the final season, you even see Cisco get pissed that his senior officers are spending time in a mid-20th century casino recrea- uh, recreation that whitewashes segregation and discrimination. Holy crap. Did they do that? That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, on a lighter note, I leave you and Matt with a YouTube link of a fabulous animated recreation by a TNG episode made by a fan. I hope the link still works by the time you record. You know how CBS loves to terminate fan projects. Enjoy. Um, so I think you guys will all be able to find that. But you should do definitely do a search. It's basically TNG done in a, uh, in a in Star Trek the animated series. Animated yeah. series. It's fantastic. Um Thank you, uh, Andre, uh, for your thoughtful hail. Um, that's amazing that they do that, and that's such a great way to address, um, I don't know, uh, period or racism of a specific period. <laughs> because so often they're like, yeah, we're going back to you know the ancient West. We're going back to old casinos. And they're skipping over that part because it's just like, yeah, this is... That's unpleasant. We don't have to deal with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just a, what a great way to address it. Um, Andrew uh, Wang, I believe it's uh, pronounced, this week in TNG. Uh, hi, Andy. Please say hello to Matt for me. Hi. Just a quick thought that maybe others have suggested, but when you guys get to DS9, might you start a segment called This Week in TNG? Um, you've mentioned the chronological order of concurrent TNG and DS9 episodes in the deep past and lists are available online. I'm imagining you reading off the quick synopsis of the TNG episode that aired that same week. Granted, these shows aired at different times all over the place, but there is an internal continuity within the shows. Maybe the playing the TNG theme in the background. I think it would be fun for all continuity lovers. Anyway, I love the podcast. Recently joined the Patreon. Uh, my God, so much content. Love you guys. You're definitely not awful. Andrew Wang. P.S. If you read this on the podcast, oh, if you read this on the podcast, please use Maurice Hurley's voice and then ask Matt to say this week in TNG in Clemens's. He's going to say this week in TNG in, in uh, Samuel Clemens' voice, Matt. Uh, uh, let's see. It's like uh, this week in TNC, Madam Guinan. <laughs> That's good. It'll be like that, right? It's great. <laughs> Gilbert Godfrey died in this universe, so now I'm a patron and hopefully the president of the Confederation. Um, this is from <laughs> David Simon. Uh, love the bar. 
Uh, hi, Andy. I'm assuming Matt is still reading uh, memory beta entries from the previous hail. In my own parallel universe, I was supposed to go see Roastmaster General Jeff Ross perform in my hometown of Long Beach, New York, so I ponied up $180 for two VIP tickets and told my cool daughter that we're going. The next day, Worf went through an anal fissure in space, came in seventh in a Batleth competition, and Gilbert Gottfried died. So now Jeff Ross cancels the show so he can go to the holodeck to watch Gilbert's pre-recorded Yar-style meology, opposite of a eulogy. Worf's got a non-spiky trophy, and I've got a 180-degree uh, refund burning a hole in my pocket. And like many Americans, I decided to buy my way into the presidency of the Confederation. So remember, under my rule, a safe galaxy is a human galaxy. Secunda! In Gilbert, Gilbert Gottfried's voice, hailing frequencies close, sir. I don't know if I got close. It's not that different than Morris Hurley. Um... Well, I appreciate your parallel universe that you're in, sir. Me too. TNG over. Oh, that's from DQS. Uh, TNG over. Engage. Um, It's from Jeanette Darlington. Old friend. Only three episodes left. I've been on this journey with you the whole way. Deep Space Nine, where Worf gets to be a true real Klingon. My daughter and I started listening on our home drive to therapy... And now we sneak away to listen together because we have added two kids and two more dogs, but my 12-year-old still loves our date night. Thanks for being our besties without even knowing we're alive. <laughs> we know you're alive now, Jeanette, and you you both are indeed our besties. Um, uh, yeah, in fact, I'm cutting off all other friends. That's it. Just you perfected you it. And us. Um, I wonder if that's therapy joint therapy or you're both you have therapy separately what if it's massage therapy who knows it could be could be a nice relaxing afternoon with your your daughter sounds nice uh we have a voice hail from damien from brisbane i want to play that oh that's a me thing sorry i can read this other thing in the meantime no here it is sorry Matt, Andy, Damien from Brisbane, just wanted to drop you a note as we approach the end of the TNG season and uh, looking forward to the All Good Things finale. Guys, it's been an amazing ride. You've done an amazing job. Let's face it, none of us ever fucking thought you'd get this far, which is just incredible (laughs) that you have. And I'm so looking forward to Deep Space Nine because it is my favourite Trek show. And I'm, I'm going to put 20 bucks down and say that by the end of season five, mm. it's going to be Andy's as well, because it's amazing. Uh, look, Bold guys, statement. it's been an absolute gem of a podcast. I've listened to every single episode. I've generally been up to date, never really fallen behind, as I'm sure many of your fans have. And I just can't wait to see what the next four years is going to be like as you delve into the best Star Trek of all time. TNG's probably my second so, you know, this is probably my fourth favourite podcast, but it's certainly my favourite podcast to call, even though I'm only usually ringing to complain about Andy's hit Australian accent. Keep up the good work. Looking forward to episode one of DS9, and take it easy, guys. <laughs> good day, Damien. I wonder Thank what you his for other... writing in, and uh, quite, maybe calling in, rather. Uh, and I, quite frankly, I didn't think we'd get here either me neither I mean 
just seemed so distant, the idea. Like, when we were trudging through season one, everybody's uniforms were tight. Riker had a baby face. I was like, we're never going to get to the end of the show. No. Here we are. Getting there. Um, I wonder what his other, his other, the, the podcasts that are ahead of us are. I mean, they certainly would have your wealth of picks of podcasts better than ours, but, uh. I wonder I if they're Star Trek. private. You know, I think that's for him to know. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. He never share with us. Uh, from Lieutenant Commander John Zates, uh, diehard listener and supporter, uh, top 10 things I've learned from re-listening to TNC from season five to current. 10, pre- 10, pre- 10. Number 10. Sorry, I got to get my, my Letterman zone here. Number 10. Pre-pandemic reading the Patreon names took eight minutes during the pandemic, upwards of twenty minutes. Saucer section. Uh, number nine, Matt guesses. How Andy's- dare you bring up the saucer section? <laughs> We've worked so hard trying to forget it. No, never forget. Uh, number nine, Matt guesses Andy's rating for the next episode. Still a thing. Lasted a few episodes. <laughs> You can keep going with your top ten list. <laughs> Once again, Paul, you have crystallized my thoughts perfectly. Number eight, Bird of Prey slash Bird of Praise. Best episode of TNC. And it's Bird and it's Bird of's Prey. <laughs> uh, number seven, Andy has talked about jetpacks at least four times. Almost once a season. Number six, Matt was very excited about the direction Picard was going until uh, going during production. Even heard from a friend. The scripts were good. <laughs> Number five, Andy wanted more Romulan stories backstory from Redemption Part 1 to 2. That didn't turn out well, considering Picard. Uh, Number four, did these characters have sex Have sex segments? Never continued. Oh, did these <laughs> characters have sex segment? Was never continued. Uh, actually, Lizak, I guess, is continuing it in our Voyager pod on Patreon. Um, number three, the podcast community is amazing and talented. Couldn't agree more. Number two, Andy is still single. Uh, you know, I don't want to break persona, guys. Number one, uh, the number one top ten things I've learned from re-listening to TNC from season five to current. Over two years and over a hundred episodes, including the Patreon. Did they get better at podcasting? No, but that's what makes them the best podcast. It's true. Thank you. Uh, consultation. Dory won't rank the things Henry does with Andy's. <laughs> Andy's pun blindness improving. Nope. Uh, nothing explains or justifies why Data is Picard's best friend in the Picard show. Some random I mean, in this episode today, we get some of them um, uh, really spending some quality time together as uh, Picard daydreams while Data pretends to act. So that's that's the that's the that's how could you not be best friends if that's happening? I mean that's true. I mean that's where that's where that bond that scene is where they really form their bond. Um, if you would like to send a voicemail, send it to sttncpod at gmail dot com. Uh, it'd be helpful if you put the title of the episode and subject heading somewhere. If it applies, you can tweet or Instagram 
my co-host at Matt Myra. You can Instagram me at Andrew Secunda or tweet me at Secunda. If you like to send us a voicemail, it's 816-TREK-TNC. And if you'd like to get access to our Priority One messages, which I look at first, uh, join the Patreon at any level. Wow. All very wise information. Frequencies closed, sir. Guess what? It's time to talk about this week's episode, which I usually do by playing a jingle. But I reorganized everything in this page, thinking I'd find everything much quicker, and I have failed miserably. <laughs> but here's that thing I meant to play earlier. Cosmo Moore. Ron Moore. Roger Moore. Nice. A Josh Moore. Ronald D. Moore. A Joe Moore. I have a Carl Moore. <laughs> Shout out to all you more. All right. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where the next episode thing went. Whatever. It's okay. We're gonna we're gonna talk about uh Emergence, season seven, episode twenty four. Question mark? Question mark? Twenty three. 23 yep. of Star Trek The Next Generation uh, aired uh, I'm going to guess it aired like uh, first week of May 1994. What, what date? What date? Uh, I'm going to guess it was, it was May. A, it was the second week by the way. May 12th. May 9th. May 9th. What was happening Andy? The number one song in the U.S.? The mm-hmm. Sign by Ace of Base, still. Wow, still The Sign. In the UK, it's The Real Thing by Tony DeBart, which I also don't know. Number one movie, Four Weddings and a Funeral. Number one book, The Celestine Prophecy by James Redfield. Number one TV show that week. The miniseries, Stephen King's The Stand. Events. Johnny Carson makes a surprise appearance on The Late Show with David Letterman and his wife. And he was in LA, LA that week. Johnny Brown oh, was the top he? ten list. Oh, nice! Pulp Fiction premieres at the Cannes Film Festival. Wow! So far, that's my favorite week of of of, of history. <laughs> um, do you remember? Do you remember? Uh, when Carson died, Letterman's monologue that night was like a bunch of fairly topicalish jokes. Yeah. And then he revealed that like all of those jokes had been written by Johnny Carson. Yes, I do remember that. Because he used to he would still send in jokes. <laughs> That's pretty sweet. You just couldn't fight it. <laughs> just couldn't fight it. Making jokes about the Taco Bell dog and Paris Hilton. Way to go, Johnny. All right. Let's talk about emergence, shall we? We shall. I'm going to tell you what the plot was in a second here. As soon as I pull this up. A, uh, oh, I have to say this. Teleplay by Joe Minoski, story by Brandon Braga, directed by Cliff Bowl. Series of puzzling events on and off the holodeck. Lead. Wait, wait, wait. Yes. Did we skip an important segment? Oh, my God. We sure did. I blame myself. 
Fully. I mean, I I do too. Really Fully. No else to blame. Yes. I mean, <laughs> I guess theoretically, I could have jumped in sooner. But like, where did it go? Because I moved the buttons around. Frank Sinatra, come on! Oh wow, live read on that—that's pretty it's good. The new segment, Frank Sinatra, come on! <laughs> oh, you did my part too. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> 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 it's a new segment everybody loves. Frank Sinatra, come on! Yep, indeed. And here we go, Andy. What's going on with the chairman of the board? Uh, this week, Frank is performing in Hershey, Pennsylvania at the Hershey Park Arena. The concert had originally been scheduled for March, but had to be postponed to May because of a huge snowstorm. Frank flew in, performed, flew right back out, which was standard procedure for one-nighters out of town. Frank demanded that his limo be running and his private jet be warmed up and ready to taxi as he sang his last song. His longtime opener, Tom Dreesen, wrote that some nights they were in the air before audience members and made it back to their cars in the parking lot. Uh, also, Eric Peebles wanted to add, uh, just want to drop an RIP to Philadelphia legend Sid Mark, a friend of Frank who hosted Sundays with Sinatra here in Philly on 1210 AM as well as a national Sinatra show. My grandparents loved Sinatra, and many a Sunday morning, I heard Frank belting out his greatest hits. The chairman's time on TNC may be coming to an end, but as he walks off to the main stage in the sky, he'll hear us all whisper, Frank Sinatra, come on! (laughs) Frank Sinatra, come on! No, we'll do it. Frank Sinatra, come on! No, I I think you were close the first time. First time, yeah. Uh, thanks, Frank. Sad that uh, our time with you is coming to an end. No one else is okay. Just me. Uh, I've had it with the chairman. <laughs> uh, as I tried to say at the wrong time. Teleplay by Joe Manoski. Story by Brandon Braga. Directed by Cliff Bowl. A series of puzzling events on and off the holodeck lead the crew of the Enterprise to a surprising conclusion. The ship is creating its own offspring. The crew has to assist uh, with this arduous process to ensure the survival of the emerging life form and their own. Wow. Succinct. Certain expectancy, too. Uh, hopefulness about the future. You see, Shakespeare enjoyed mixing opposites. The past and, and the future. Hope and despair. Tater, what is this? Is this part of your program? No, sir. Well, what is going on? It appears to be a steam locomotive. A train, if I'm not mistaken. Computer, end program. Computer, end program. I love that Data's program had a black wall behind them. Yeah. That when you shine light on it from the train, it Uh just was so filthy. (laughs) <laughs> what do you mean it was filthy? Uh, it's like got marks all over it. Oh, I didn't see that. You know, because it wasn't ready to be fully lit. Yeah. And then they shine the train spotlight on it. <laughs> Classic, you know? Yeah. Um. Oh, boy. I, I love remember the, at I one love, point. I love the cold it. open 
of yeah. uh, of uh, oh boy, now there's a train in the holodeck. Like, who cares? <laughs> it's very strange. There's almost every act ender ends with what the fuck? Whoa, what's going on? And then either a either a tracking shot or just a shot of somebody's face going huh. And that's it. <laughs> Almost every act. It's pretty funny. There is a there is a shot later on. I'll talk about it. Captain. You were injured. Oh yes, I know. It's all right. I will get it seen to later. Like, I mean, if I were there and I was directing this, I would be like, can we not do the same exact injury to Picard's face that we do to Deanna's face? Can we make them a little different? Could one of them hurt their arm or something? Very strange. Very strange that it's on the same cheek. It's like, guys, just spray a template on and then go, ah, here. It's also like the the injuries are like, you know, it's it's just like... Superficial skin scrapes? Yeah. It's just like, what? Why there? Does it show that they're injured? Very strange. By the way, right from the cold open, um, I immediately was excited because I was like, oh boy, it's going to be Moriarty. And then I was like, oh, wait a minute. We established there's no more Moriarty, didn't we? <laughs> the train we encountered was from it was a real Dr. downer. Crush's and that kind of raises programs. the question. It was a recreation of the Orient Which Ex- is what? What's well, Recently, you know, I sort of blew it for myself with with the reveal that Roe is coming up, mm-hmm. and uh, and I don't know if you were keeping it from me wisely because it's a nice spoiler, it's a nice thing that like oh I would have been surprised and seen her and mm-hmm. uh, I was still insanely excited obviously but um, um but it's an interesting question of like the one spoiler I allow myself with you is to go oh is this character coming back? <laughs> you always do that yes. and. Because I feel like, well, all right, that will spare me the the frustration. So on the one hand, and there's no way to win, because on the one hand, it would have been better if I didn't know about Roe, because it would have been right. more shocking yeah. and surprising. And on the other hand, it was this lessened the blow of this not being Moriarty, <laughs> because I knew Moriarty wasn't coming back. Well, you'd also like, I mean, this, the whole Roe thing, it'd be spoiled for you the second you saw the trailer, so. Well, that's true. Brass. A train which traveled from Paris to Istanbul from the late 19th century yes, until... Yes, yes, Data, I know about the Orient Express, but what is it doing on Prospero's Island? There appears to have been a malfunction in the Holodeck's database retrieval program. The two programs somehow temporarily linked together. Is it possible that this malfunction would affect the other Holodecks as well? It is a possibility. I will need to run a full diagnostic to be certain. Very good data, but shut down the other holodecks as well until you're finished, just to be on the safe side. Aye, sir. I never realized that you were interested in trains. Are you aware that at its peak, the Orient Express carried more than 10,000 people a year? It isn't really the train itself that I'm... It's like very funny to me that he comes back to her and is like, You like trains too? <laughs> Let's talk about trains. And she's like, "No, Jean Luc, I don't. It's not the trains. <laughs> not into the trains. Oh, <laughs> I like diesel and steam. What then? It's the experience. Oh, the Orient Express is romantic, mysterious. Now here we go. Elegant. I still don't like. I don't. I can't. I don't fully equate this to the rest of the story. Like this through line here, like this Orient Express portion of it." 
I 100% agree. I think it's a major... <sighs> Look, generally speaking, it's clearly like mystery box storytelling. Like, that's the whole thing that drives it is what is the answer to this these, this question. And I didn't have a problem with it, necessarily. It was sort of like, they were interesting kind of things. Uh, I like the appearance of these nodes. It's, you know, the, the Enterprise seems to be taking on some kind of sentience. It's And it's just... That some of the choices, like the Orient Express, like each person, uh, like person, pers- whatever personage in the holodeck representing another part of the the ship, they're just weird choices. That I guess if it had added up at the end, I would have been like, all right. But it it kind of is just like I was hoping it would be in the direction of like. Um, like it like at the beginning the first thing we find out is that it it takes the enterprise out of danger so if it was the enterprise gains sentience and then has to do something to save the lives of the crew that would be really touching and moving and might add up better i still don't know if i would have gone with the orient express angle well it like it would have been more it would have been i don't know a little better I th- or not better it would have been different but like sort of something I would have expected would be like you know have the have on the Orient Express there's a there's an old timey doctor with a black medical bag and that 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 as as he goes so does the life support system and then have like the engineer of the train be the ship's engine then have the hitman he's this weapon systems so as these things start to mess up these characters in the holodeck are behaving erratically or what have you i think that's what they were going for though yeah but they don't do it right well that's what i'm saying they don't don't draw the they don't ever they don't ever connect the dots they connect the dots in as far as calling out what you're saying but they don't connect the dots in terms of their behavior no 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 what i'm saying is like each person should be responsible for a subsystem of the ship like there should be a personification of the ship sensors. I think there should what, be. A, I think they, that's what they were saying. Who? What? No. What? Who is who? Then I think they state that. I don't remember if it's Beverly. Uh, it's somebody in the maybe there's a conference room scene. I don't know, but they they say that that's what they're doing. That's why there's a guy. Knight is the shields guy. That the sheriff I think is supposed to be security. Um, the engineer is at the engine There's room. There's a sheriff? Yeah, he's the guy that... Oh, I thought he... Because he was up. all dressed in black, I would assume. He was a villain. He was a bad know. guy. Well, that's why I, I was never sure exactly... But again, like, they, these, none of these dots are connected in a, you know, overtly Well, they, they're not clear, way. and I also wondered what the hobo was, but I think their intention is to be the thing that you're saying, and I think they oh. say it. Um... I know they talk about like the holodeck representing the ship. The characters in the holodeck, they talk about representing parts of the ship. A way to see exotic Wild. places and meet fascinating people. Do you know that one time on one trip, both Sigmund Freud and Gertrude Stein just happened to be in the same car? They ended up having dinner together every night. I wonder what they talked about. Well, why don't you take a trip yourself and find out? Rank it to Picard. Picard here. All sections ready to begin the survey, sir. Very good. I'm on my way. Thank you. 
Don't forget the trip, Jean-Luc. Think about it. You never know who you'll meet on the Orient Express. A lot of shoe leather on this Orient Express conversation. Yes. Also, like, I think that would have it would have been nice if the ship sort of had, like, the ship. You know, they say that thing about it, like, like it being an infant. Yeah. But like, it'd be cool if like the ship knew everybody on like. Well, this is the direction. New Wharf, New Troy, New Picard, New. You know. This what is everybody the, was trying to do and could help. This is the direction. I totally agree, and this is the direction that it almost feel it felt to me like they they broke the episode they wrote the episode and then at the end scene where Picard has his speech about you know just like it, it drew from our experiences and blah 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 it's just like it almost felt like they got to that scene and they were like this doesn't feel satisfying we need to wrap this up or tie things in in some way so they have him say that but that's mm-hmm. not the episode that they told and your and to your point, that should have been the episode they told, where it was, you know, okay, it's this 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 alien intelligence that's trying to basically give birth to itself, or however you want to phrase it, and so it's drawing information from all their systems. Have it play out the way that would play out. Don't get boxed into this Orient Express thing. Have it be, you know, maybe it's using the holodeck different holodeck programs you bring back minuet you do like whatever whatever the things are that represent each character you have like a fistful of data's thing like that would have been a real nice encompassing of all the characters and or it's just drawing information because it's saying picard is saying it's drawing information from their you know personal logs and all this stuff um and it doesn't really feel like that because of this Orient Express thing. These were all sort of automatons that represent these parts of the ship within this very specific one holodeck program that, to be honest with you, I don't even think represents Beverly that much. Oh, I don't think it does at all. Because even Picard is surprised by it. (laughs) Yeah, so... Yeah, they should have gone harder in the direction that is the conclusion that Picard comes to, and that's why it's my feeling that that was tacked on later, because the rest of the story doesn't support that, really. Um, Well, I mean, it's like... Although it's an interesting direction. I was thinking about it when they were saying that the ship might become intelligent. It's like, well, then the ship... And obviously, I think the ship would care for the crew. Right. And, And, like, Geordi would be their... It's favorite. Right, that's a great idea, and then, and and yeah, that's exactly it. It's sort of like uh, I don't know if you ever read X Men. I'm about to spoil something about the Joss Whedon run of X Men. Um, there's a there's a plot in there, ironically, with uh, Charles Xavier played by Patrick Stewart, except this was in the comics, um, where uh, something is sort of attacking all the X Men, and then you realize it's a sentient version of the Danger Room, mm-hmm. and so it's like the danger room knows everything about these people because it's been training them its whole life um and this kind of feels like this had the possibility to at first seem like it was threatening and then slowly have the crew because it's taking over the ship and then slowly have it the crew realize oh this is a sentience that is growing as the ship and the ship because it cares about us is protecting us from danger which is what that first move when it hits the warp to protect them from the thing that they didn't know was happening felt like it was going to be 
yeah, then they just then and then they that it was self-preservation yeah and they muddy it later even more i'm going to complain about this early but when it's like picard is showing concern for this thing because it's a, a living creature now mm-hmm. and then they divert the path at the end from where the from the where the the alien intelligence wants to go right to go to a place nearer mm-hmm. and they present it to the alien intelligence i think deanna does as though it's like no we're trying to help you and it's like that's true but you're also trying to help yourselves survive because Picard, it has been established, Picard asks, will it die if it gets to the other place? No, it won't, but we will. Uh, no, that was, that's not true, because it was going at maximum warp, and there was a chance that they weren't going to make it there, in t- like, that the ship would not make it there in time. Like, it, the, the, I don't the think particles would have been depleted. I don't, I don't think that's accurate. I think, I could be wrong. I well, think then it's a, you know, it's it was saying episode. it was saying that that the the sentient intelligence would be able to get there and survive. That was a close Vertiform City. Hmm. Oh, of course, that the human the crew because the, the life support would be out. It's the nearest one to our last position, Captain. We have a problem. Even at warp nine, the Cordana system is over twelve hours from here. Will the object in the cargo bay survive that long? Yes, sir, but that's not the problem. The ship oh, has diverted all of our right, systems yeah. to maximum propulsion, including life support. We have less than two hours of reserve oxygen. And he was right. So they kind of lied to it. <laughs> um, and I guess it just would have been really nice if it was, you know, and it kind of felt like it was trying to be a farewell to the Enterprise-D in a nice way, but it just sort of doesn't f- hit the stick the landing because... They don't give it its full sentient intelligence. I mean, you know, whatever. Anyway, I mean, you, you don't want to, you don't want it to wind up like the sphere data inside Discovery. Uh, I understand, but they could have had it be like they had it, where the alien intelligence basically is absorbing everything that the 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 ship knows, and therefore is acting as a proxy for the ship. And then at the end, it flies off and lives its own life, having sex with the uh, the uh, alien ship from Tin Man sector we are continuing our search for new federation colony sites i don't think there's any possibility of developing sites in this region most of the stars are main sequence binaries there are no m-class planets well let's move on to another survey region have stellar cartography beginner mr data report the ship has moved into warp sir who gave that command apparently no one Helm and navigation controls are not. I'm Lieutenant No One. <laughs> I gave the order. Just imagine that it was just like me. I did. <laughs> was I should should I not have? <laughs> Sorry. I'm No One. Our speed and sing. Is now warp seven point three and holding. Sing or sing doesn't matter. Got to engineering, <laughs> Mr. Forge. What's going on? We've lost primary helm control on the bridge. I don't understand it. The impulse system suddenly cut out, and the warp drive just kicked in. Jordy, can you take the engines offline? I'm working on it. Mr. Data, what's our heading? Bearing 187 Mark IV, sir. I'm unable to determine our destination. However, we are moving away from the Makorda sector. Captain, the computer's locked out all the propulsion controls. I can't access any of the overrides. If you want us to stop, 
I'll have to do an emergency core shutdown. That would leave us without warp power for more than a week. Begin the procedure, Mr. LaForge. We are no longer at warp, sir. Impulse power has resumed. All systems show normal. Where are we? We are approximately 30 billion kilometers from our original position. Well done, Miss LaForge. It wasn't me. I didn't have time to complete the shutdown procedure. But I want an explanation, Miss LaForge. Picard out. Why are you so slow? I kind of like... I mean, this episode is uh, weird, and it's a lot of delay... Uh, I was I was engaged the whole time. I was sort of like, "Ooh, what's what's going on?" Ooh, I mean, it's high. You know, conceptually, it's very cool to think about the Enterprise yeah. becoming a sentient I mean, member I guess of the that's, crew. I guess that's. It feels like a little bit of a missed opportunity. I know it would have been a little bit, you know, repetitive. Uh, I mean, repetitive. Well, the implications of it would have been too much to deal with in Star Trek. In the universe. well, I feel like you could have. Sci, you know, sci-fi gobbledygooked it uh, out your way out of it. As I was saying, sort of just like ah, now the sentience is the sentient intelligence. Is it leaving. sacrifices itself for the crew, but it would have allowed for a lot of really interesting discussions about what happens when the tool you're using becomes sentient. Are you allowed to keep well, using it's the tool? Like the, it's like the quality of life. Remember when the exocomps data is like we can't use these, right? The, but on a larger basis, even. Also, right. you could have called back the exocomps and have that them tie in. But I don't have a problem with that. But the thing I was going to say is, like, it's a weird episode where it's like there's not much emotional engagement. There's not much. You're not really following the characters' arcs that much. It's all sort of a mystery where you're delaying the answer. But I will say a thing I really enjoyed in this episode was Picard being um, almost old school all business Picard the whole time. <laughs> He's just giving his orders. I'm like, all right, well, get back to me on that. All right, well, what's the next thing? All right, well, let's do that. He was just like giving his orders and being a little bit stern and like in a way that felt like season one a little bit. I mean, look, he's, uh, he's good in a crisis. Well, you know, he was good in a crisis. Distortion <laughs> building up around the ship. Why didn't our sensors alert us? Well, our sensors were never designed to detect theta flux distortions and yet... There is a record of the distortion in our sensor log. That's the other mystery. One fact is clear, however. The distortion was growing in strength. If we had remained at our original position 1.7 seconds longer, the distortion would have ruptured our warp core. If the Enterprise hadn't jumped into warp when it did, we would have been blown to pieces. Blown to pieces. Like it maybe, and then yeah, I don't know. I was like thinking maybe there's like some emergency situation the Enterprise has to go deal with and put itself in front of in harm's way, but the the ship doesn't want to do it. Yeah, and, you know, there's like a lot of ways to go with it. The idea that it would sort of be trying to sacrifice itself, save the ship. Yeah, I think ultimately it, it is probable, right? but it art. is possible. I don't know. I don't think I'm ready to start believing in luck. dangerous anomaly that threatened the Enterprise. It is possible that they triggered a safety device that caused the ship to avoid destruction. Yeah, but there's no direct link between the warp engines and the sensors. Whenever they crawl through these Jeffries tubes, I think about the actor's knees. Yeah. They gotta have knee pads on underneath their pants, right? Oh, good I mean, it's just hard metal. Oh, God. 
Yeah, that'd be the worst. You're totally right. <clears throat> Whoa, what is that? I wish he said hubba hubba. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like some kind of new circuit node. And it's connected to at least half a dozen points on the sensor array. It appears to be connected to several other systems as well, including the warp control circuits. I guess there's a connection between the warp engines and the sensors after all. in several systems around the ship at some level or another they're all connected these nodes were linking the sensors to our warp control and defensive systems this is there's a really great shot here well the magnus is uh, more difficult to control the of ship. Riker what do you propose we do uh-huh. well getting rid of him isn't going to be so e- it's a uh, like the, sh- the the look on his face is like he goes oh my god when like the ship He's like, well, they say the ship is developing an intelligence. Yeah. His face is like, he looks like he's flashing through everything he's ever done in the holiday. <laughs> and like thinking, oh, God, is it going to say face. something now? Hey, be, be cool. Easy. Be cool, D. Be cool. They attempted to examine the circuitry of one of the nodes and generated a force field to keep us out. Well, whatever's going on, our first priority is getting back control of this ship. Agreed. And keeping it silent. All of the nodal connections <laughs> intersect in Holodeck 3. It appears to be a focal point of some kind. We might be able to find a way to use the Holodeck circuitry to disable the nodes permanently. All right, let's do it. Oh, I guess it's the next scene. I guess they have multiple engineering scenes with Riker and Data and Jordy <laughs> standing and talking. <laughs> Kidding, Mr. Data. No, sir. I estimate that this scene consists of portions of seven distinct holodeck programs. See if you can access the circuits that have been affected by the Each nodes. one more boring than the last. <laughs> you ain't seen anything yet. Check out Lambda One. <laughs> to fame of the uh, I mean for many things he was in Big Big Lebowski uh, as the dad mm-hmm. that's the main thing I knew him from um, David Huddleston Any, anything else it was just the Big Lebowski this is the primary thing disappointing character actor that's something been, that we all know yeah sorry I apologize I can try and dig up <laughs> it's supposed to be something big it is something legitimately big. I apologize. I've located a large concentration of nodes behind this wall. They appear to be connected directly to the holodeck's main power coupling. All right, go ahead and depolarize the entire power grid. The power grid is located beneath this deck, sir. Get away from there! Would you gentlemen care to show me your tickets? I believe we left our tickets in our compartments. Mr. Worf, I told you to bring the tickets. I, um, forgot. The p- 
pointless shitting on on war for for that gambit. <laughs> She's like, what? Why? Why hey. go after him? Hamana, hamana, hamana. In front of the imaginary people. This doesn't concern you. You are a real idiot, Worf. Jack the train. Hey, if you're the engineer, who's doing the driving? I am. And all this shit doesn't tie. I don't know. Go ahead. I'm just laughing at the hitman coming out. Yeah. Cause like I'm just like he, he you can't dress like that and not appear as though you're in a high school play. It's true. Like all of them look the like they're big, in a high school play. Yeah, they all. It's so funny. They all look like they have got they've got costumes from the drama department and wandered onto a set. Yeah, <laughs> and are making it up as they go along. Yeah. <sighs> what do you think of the specific acting of the guy that gets Jordy off the floor? I don't remember. <sighs> well, his face is off camera, and I think that's just uh, some loop group action. We've lost engine and helm control again, Captain. But this time, they're completely burned out. I don't know if we can stop the ship. I believe we've changed direction. Now we're on the right track. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we are on our way. <laughs> It's just muddled. I still don't know what the gold brick is. <laughs> That's a good point. I don't know either. Well, it's the foundation for something. According to my tricorder, the holodeck safeties have been disengaged. His weapon could be lethal. All right, let's get out of here. I mean, that's the thing is, it's all leading to, like, what are the answers to these questions? And then you get to the end of the episode, it's just like, well, you got the overview. <laughs> You're all working together now, almost independently of the main computer. And the nodes link them all through the holodeck. But why the holodeck? It doesn't make any sense. Commander, I believe what happens on the holodeck has direct effect on the ship. When we attempted to destroy the nodes, the characters on the train responded almost immediately to stop us. And when the engineer tried to protect us, one of the other characters shot him. And then the conductor signaled for the train to change direction. And at approximately the same time, the Enterprise also took off in a new direction. Are you saying the ship is under the control of the holodeck? Not precisely. Jordy, does the configuration of connection notes look familiar to you? Yeah. Yeah, it looks a little like the structure of your positronic brain. That is correct. It really peaks Riker's in interest process here. of creating a <laughs> rudimentary neural net. Yeah. Data. Nice. What are you suggesting? Unlikely as it may sound, I believe the Enterprise may be forming an intelligence. <laughs> uh. This is a cross-section of my positronic net. And this is a schematic of the connection nodes linking the ship's systems. I believe some sort of 
neural matrix is forming. I've never seen the way they shot this conference room. Everybody's chair is turned towards data. Yeah. Like they're cheating fully out and the ch- and the and the desk is pushed way back. Yeah. I feel like there were a lot of close-ups, like more close-ups than average, too. I I think it's by virtue of the fact that this episode was big, Uh and they didn't have time to shoot everything the way they wanted to. (laughs) I see. Yeah, that seems reasonable. So they were like, "Uh, everybody face forward, we're just going to do this. On the ship. It is still relatively primitive, but it is an intelligence nonetheless. How could that happen? I believe it is an emergent property. Like Dan is fully out of focus in the background when he said that. Complex systems can sometimes behave in ways that are entirely unpredictable. The human brain, for example, might be described in terms of cellular functions and neurochemical interactions. But that description does not explain human consciousness, a capacity that far exceeds simple neural functions. Consciousness is an emergent property. In other words, something that's more than just the sum of its parts. Exactly. Like a machine. How does that explain what's happening to the Enterprise? The Enterprise contains a vast database of information, which is managed by a sophisticated computer. This complex system gives the ship many of the characteristics of a biological organism. It's true. It sees with its sensors, it talks with its communication systems. In a sense, it almost reproduces with the replicators. And you think that the ship has somehow gone beyond these functions? <laughs> I wish Worf was in the background and just went, Bullshit! <laughs> yes, sir. I believe a self-determining... Mr. Worf? Uh, nothing, sir. Determining intelligence is emerging. If that is so, what does the ship want? Where is it taking us? I believe the key to understanding the ship's behavior lies in the holodeck. All of the connection nodes intersect at that location. It is clearly some kind of processing center. Processing center. Yes, sir. A focal point where all the ideas and instincts of this emerging intelligence are first expressed in some form. Almost like an imagination. Captain, I'd like to go to the holiday. (laughs) I could interact with the characters and maybe find some clues to help us understand what's happening. Very well. Mr. Data, Mr. Worf, I want you to go along. See if you can reestablish control of the ship without damaging the nodes. If the ship I like that they try to give Deanna something to do. Then yeah. We have a responsibility well, to treat I think it, it was probably... They were just like, I guess so. Because there was no one's idea. Same respect her own. as any other being. You're saying the characters or the writers? Characters, characters. <laughs> I mean, you can't really say no to her. That's too embarrassing. Yeah. Welcome aboard, Counselor. If you will distract these people, I will attempt to depolarize the power grid. Is Worf saying welcome aboard, Counselor, in kind of a, uh, we're doing it, but uh, I'm going to be cool about it? If you'd like that to be the answer, then sure. I just want the truth, man. That's the first duty. I, 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 I don't... <laughs> I think that was more of a... Are you fucking seeing this shit? <laughs> yeah, it probably is. <laughs> The other thing is the way no. they structure it with these characters, they're all they are all automatons. There's no real interaction with the ship, which would be really interesting. Mm-hmm. Even to have the ship be kind of pissed off that they're always fucking with it and changing things and putting it in also, danger. Also, it's annoying that like nobody like Data or Geordi sees the puzzle because the puzzle so clearly looks like the node, but n- nobody who like who's trying to see what it is 
has seen the note, so. Yeah. No, I meant the picture. What is it? Well, I don't know. It's the thing you saw on the wall. Can you deal me in? Why does he it's not know? Two man game. And who is that guy baby. supposed to be? A baby? They're all babies. They're, yeah, but he's more of an idiot. Hey! Put your hand off for that. Is that why you killed the engineer? To get this brick? I had to get it back. You know what it's worth, lady? Plenty. And I gotta get it to Keystone City. Why? What's Keystone City? It's where everything begins. Jin. Like, even in retrospect, I don't know what the purpose of the brick is in getting it to Keystone City. No one does. You don't think the writers do? I mean, the brick, I guess, could be like uh, the um, the initial thing it creates inside the cargo bay. Yeah. Could represent that. Or it could represent the particles it needs to fill in the wall. I don't know. Why are you taking the brick there? Excuse me. I think we should follow that man. That brick might be an important clue. All right. Doesn't Worf have a look there? It's kind of like, all right. No. But it is weird that, like, the ship's computer just decided to recreate the Paramount backlot. Does Troy outrank Worf? Mm hmm. Because there's a point where she orders him to go to the engine room, and he gives a look like, you need to tell me what to do. I was like, huh, I guess she does that ranking. No, I think the look was, you want me, really, you want me to be the, I'm just here to I'm be the just muscle. just the strong guy. I'm yeah. just the right. muscle. Yeah. I thought we'd gotten past that. It's real know. sweaty in there, you know. Yeah. Where did he go? attempt to depolarize the grid by using a low frequency inversion field. It may disengage the nodes without destroying them. There he is. I'm going after him. to roll out of the way of that taxi. I mean, it's just a good time. I will say that one moment when he uh, when he stops the taxi, that's like one of the only instances of Data remembering that he has superhuman speed and strength. <laughs> just using it. Oh, yeah. What are you doing here? Laying the foundation. But what does that mean? I don't know. Be funny if they had had that. Surely somebody knows. I don't now, think so, Miss. Excuse me. I got a drink to catch. There ain't no one around here who knows what the heck I'm doing with this brick. In time. Yes, sir. And I've reestablished the containment field, but I'm reading massive power surges in the cargo bay. 
all sorts of transporter activity. Something weird is happening there, Captain. I want you to send a team down there immediately. Find out what's going on. Aye, sir. But, like, go in your pressure suits just in case they decide to open the cargo bay door on you. That's what, what I would have said if I was Picard. What if they brought back Argyle to play the, uh, the gangster? <laughs> I'm taking care of this brick. Look, any Biff Yeager is a good Biff Yeager as far as I'm <laughs> concerned. Laying a foundation. Foundation for what? We don't know, Worf. Troy to Data. Data here. How are you doing? I encountered a minor difficulty, Counselor. But it has been dealt with. It'd be cooler if, like, the like the car turned into a steamroller or something, you know, because the ship's computer could have control over that kind of a thing. Yeah. Anyway, Deanna goes down after the bricks fall on her, and she gets the same face cut that Picard had. It intends to continue. I'm betting that all this has something to do with that object that's forming in the cargo bay. No shit. I think he's right, Captain. <laughs> Look at the common themes playing out on the holodeck. A puzzle being put together, a foundation being laid, a paper doll being fashioned. They're all in the There's no paper doll. Uh, I think Is that was... what the knight was doing? Yeah, that's what the knight was doing. I thought the knight was cutting up a newspaper. Well, he was. Just, paper just by virtue of being crazy. Which I was, like, oh, kind of more into. It all has meaning. <laughs> Images of something being constructed. And some kind of object in the cargo bay that's being constructed atom by atom. What is that object? Moriarty. Idea. It's composed <laughs> oh, of man, how good would brain, this episode have been if it was just Moriarty? Even if they it. took a long time to get to it and he was just fucking with them. Quite an effect. Make literal sense, but symbolically it probably does have some kind of logic to it. These characters you spoke to, do they have any significance? I think they represent different aspects of the ship. The engineer, for instance, may represent the navigational system. The gunslinger could but be that the would be the conductor, system. first of all. Anyway, the then I think because the, the gunslinger doesn't do anything, but he's got a gun. What I'm saying is, like, they, I think they should have been more. I just don't understand the distinction between the gunslinger and the gangster. I don't know what the gangster does. Wait, what's his password? He lays the foundation. <laughs> that we can persuade them to give us back control of the ship. I don't think it's possible to reason with them. Many of them are genuinely unaware of what's going on. It's as though this emergent intelligence is like an infant acting on impulse, trying to figure itself out as it goes. The They've even got a yokel, sir. <laughs> That's supposed to represent dumb fail. Riker. <laughs> and everything he's done... In the holodeck. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, I could use a pair of strong arms in the engine room. Might help us get back on schedule. Why don't you go with him, Wolf? Why are Let's they so grateful for this? It's sort of metaphorical. So what is theoretically Worf doing this? How does it help them? You know what I'm saying? It doesn't. What's happening in tandem with Jordy and Picard, I think, helps them more, but they see it as whatever yeah. Worf is doing. But they know what's happening with the sh in the real world because they steered the ship out of danger. Shh. 
unless I guess that's everything that they're doing. There's the coal there. and there's the boiler. I'm much obliged for your help. The warp power appears to be back at normal levels. What's that, Because of the coal, right? That's why it's back at normal levels. What Doesn't does make that any sense. indicate? We got a course for Tambor Beta 6. It's a white dwarf star. Particles. Thirty-form city. That's what the ship was looking for. The particles are being routed through the transporter system into Cargo Bay Five. Jory, what's going on? The object is absorbing Verdeon particles. It's growing even faster than before, Commander. I'm picking up internal energy from this thing. What do you mean? mean it's generating its own energy like energy inside I'm picking up <laughs> the thing emissions wow verdeon absorption rate is dropping what's happening love that insert shot of the tricorder we've been on the wrong track all along yes what happened the conductor accidentally derailed the train Did accidentally oh, you see, well, he was trying to put it on a different track right, yeah right right it's been an accident at the holodeck sir has anything happened on the Enterprise? Yes, we've had a shipwide shutdown. We've lost attitude control, and most systems are offline. Also, Captain. it made a baby. <laughs> Better take a look at this. It was very Part strange. Cut off. You should have seen it, Data. You would have loved it. It's crazy. I don't think so. You're my best friend. <laughs> um, Mr. Data, if you were ever sacrifice yourself for the ship, I would consider it a personal favor Captain, to all me. All systems are back online. We're moving again. At warp nine. Let's get back to the bridge. Another white dwarf star. It's the nearest one to our last position. Captain, we have a problem. Even at warp nine, the Cordana system is over 12 hours from here. Also, we're going to rip through space. Remember that episode a couple seasons ago? Ooh, never mind. It's not like we have Voyager things yet. Now let's see if we can get the ship to go. Cells. Please, listen to me. We understand what's happening. We know you have to get to New Veriform City, and we want to help you get there. Well, I don't know. Please. I'm the dumb one. We're your friends. You're really going to help us get to New Veriform City? There's a restaurant I there. Promise. You can have all the food you want. It's open well, okay. all the time. But just want to... The rest, stay here. Just, She's like, just what's going on? Fan. What is it? Is it is this is another thing? Like that's the closest I think we get to sort like when when the characters are showing doubt. That's the closest we get to feeling like oh, it's that's really the sentient intelligence being kind of confused and not knowing who to trust or what to trust. Yeah, it'd be so much more interesting if they just went down that path and explored the interaction between the people and the ship mm-hmm. but like they that time... obscure it so much so it's like even when he says this it's like why does he only allow one person in why does he decide to agree with them like you know what's going on they already have their plan they know where they're going mm-hmm. so why do they listen to these other people and it's are. never explained Mr. Data I need you to slow us to impulse speed I will attempt to do so 
I hope you know what you're doing. Why Data has to struggle with those train things, I don't know. He's super strong. The torpedoes complete. Aye, sir. Launch torpedo. I mean, I did, like, here's a line of dialogue that I would have liked. The ship's computer has access to everything that we're doing. It knows what we're doing. Once it sees this plan of the torpedoes, the ship's computer knows that it's going to work and allows it to happen. Like, you know. Right. And, like, somebody, one of the holodeck people goes, this is a really, this is a great idea to blah, blah, blah. If anything, I think that I kind of made that, adjustment in my head that it sort of was like oh, okay you're doing this I guess we'll see yeah. but uh, you're right it's not there well, what do you know we're here new 34 city <laughs> the nodes are deactivating all over the ship all our systems are beginning to function normally again then the purpose of the ship's intelligence was simply to bring this life form into being. There are some species whose sole purpose is to reproduce. Once they finally procreate, they die. Captain. It's floating. Right in front of us. It this can fly! Real, this is real weird. Looks like one of those sort of plastic puzzle games. Like yeah. You have to bend and make into things. I like those things with the uh, that they had in dentist's office all the time with the beads that yeah, you yeah. Like push up and around like the... those two. Yeah. Maybe that's what it is. It's a sentient version of that. Come, Captain. Come. I am staging a scene from the Tempest this evening for a small audience. I would like for you to attend. I'd love to. You're my best on? friend. What scene? Miranda's first encounter with other human beings. <laughs> what part will I play? Oh, brave new Since world. Since we're best friends. <laughs> has such people in it. It seemed appropriate. I will be haunted by your death for years to come. <laughs> Captain, you took a substantial risk in allowing the Enterprise to complete its task. Why do you say that? Because the end result was unknown. The object could have been dangerous. It may, in fact, be dangerous. And I have allowed it to go off on its merry way. Yes, sir. The intelligence that was formed on the Enterprise didn't just come out of the ship's systems. It came from us, from our mission records, personal logs, holiday programs, our fantasies. Now, if our experience It only showed it in a bunch of monosyllabic characters, but uh, still... I trust that the sum of those experiences will be the same. I mean, it's a great speech. They just should have written the episode to fit that. But, sir, there's a lot of Barkley and Moriarty in there. And then they drop <laughs> their glass and go, oh, God, what have we done? <laughs> ah, that would have been a great episode, too. What if you had Moriarty figures out a way to inhabit Barkley? So Barkley's acting crazy, and he's half Moriarty, half Barkley. Well, I think, you know, Nth Degree was kind of like that. I know, but I'm saying make it Moriarty. Okay, fine. How do you differentiate? Um, you put him in a cool suit? Sure. All right. Um, one thing that I did uh, think about was mm. uh, how would uh, 
Jellicoe have uh, responded to a ship being taken over by the alien intelligence. Well, he'd assume it was a Cardassian plot. <sighs> and he'd activate the self-destruct sequence and get in the captain's <laughs> yacht. That's true. <laughs> um, all right, everybody. Thank you for joining us with that. Let's do the business of giving out awards and an amount of Andy's TBD. Well, it's the MVC, yeah, the MVC. Only Matt and Andy know who it's gonna be. Will it be Data, Riker, Troy, or Dr. Crusher? If you don't like who they pick, just remember that this podcast is free. Hard to say, I mean... I mean, Jordy's pretty instrumental. But the ship does save the crew. I guess Data is the one who sort of advances the theory in the first place of that this being a sentient intelligence. The ship well, doesn't Jordy, save the Jordy, crew. Jordy, who goes, Data, does this look familiar to you? Oh, oh yeah, he already decides what it is. Yeah, that's true. Um, I don't think that the thing does save... I mean, it saves the crew at the beginning, but it really is just yeah. saving itself. And then wow, later, rude. it's willing to sacrifice the crew in order to save itself. Mm, that's true. So I think we can assume it wasn't necessarily saving mm. the crew. So who is it? Data? Jordy? I mean, Deanna's the one that puts the piece. She, she follows that guy with the brick, and then... That brick might be an important clue. And then, you know, Worf did shovel that the coal into that's the That's true. I'll tell you who didn't do anything, Riker. Riker didn't do anything. It's true, except so, snap at war for no reason. LVC Riker, yeah. And, um, uh, MVC. Uh, what do you say? I don't know. I think it's a Jordy Data combo. Yeah, I would agree. Nice. How many Andy's does this episode get? It's a weird one. Let <laughs> <laughs> uh, me make it, a sound bite of that one. <laughs> it doesn't quite follow any sort of real. Like, I, I mean, it's hard to follow. I think it's like. It's funny because they're talking about the ship being the sum of its parts, and I think that this doesn't add up. No, I agree. That's a really that's a very apt way to phrase it. Um, I totally agree. So I, 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 you know, but it's still weirdly enjoyable to watch mostly. So I'll give it a four. Well, you know what? That's exactly right, Matt. Yay! I <laughs> you did got it. it right. <laughs> that's exactly how what I was feeling. It was just sort of like it's. It doesn't add up. They don't. They could have made it add up. The ideas they have in it are cool. Yes. The, the holodeck thing is a wash. They, they should have. They should have changed that area. But the idea that they were pursuing was good. And what's interesting is it really is. You know, with people, you know, saying how uneven the seventh season is, which is valid. But it's like that fucking Stewart performance of him going from thing to thing and being efficient is amazing. Like the crew, the actors and, and the writers handle handle on the characters is operating at full tilt. So it's a shame that the episode itself is just kind of like merit, but that leaves it at a four. Yeah, I agree. Uh, guys, I'm going to actually pull an audible captaining here and we are not going to watch a trailer for Ensign Rose return because I would like that episode to be as Ooh. F- as uh, f- 
fresh surprising, surprising as it can be okay and enjoyable as it can be for our friend andy here i love uh, it as we rock it towards the finish my dear ro don't forget you can join the patreon uh and do a live q a with us on may 4th and watch the live stream of us going through all good things on may 23rd and uh yeah otherwise we'll see you we'll see you in a, in, a, in a week and a half or so with um the return events in row exciting stuff exciting indeed it's engaged.